Hey everyone, I'm Serena. And I'm Tina, and we are the Mental Health Mamas. Welcome to No Need to Explain. We are so glad you're here. First, as always, a quick disclaimer. We come to you not as mental health professionals or experts in the field, but rather as the parents of kids who struggle with their emotional health. If you or someone you love is experiencing a mental health crisis, please seek professional support. You will find a variety of resources in our show notes and on our website, no need to explain podcast.com. Tina, talk to me about perfectionism. Uh, yes, the perfection problem. I guess that I would say I am a work in progress in terms of dealing with perfectionism. What about you, Serena? I would definitely echo that. I really personally value authenticity and transparency. Yet living in the curated world that we do, it's, it's a challenge. Right. Growing up, it was all about what we saw in magazines and on TV and now uh, social media everywhere. Mm-hmm. Can't look away. Right. And it's uh, not only challenging, but sometimes scary to put something out into the world that isn't perfect. And we know, mm-hmm. I can imagine that many of you out there listening feel the same way. And that's why we invited Stephanie Snow to the podcast today. Stephanie holds a BA in psychology, and she is also a certified mind, body, and eating coach. She hosts a podcast called Flip the Beauty Script and is leading what she calls, and we love this, a beauty revolution. Stephanie, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. Very happy to be here today. So Stephanie, let's start by uh, having you tell our listeners about the beauty revolution. What is this? Yes. Beauty Revolution is an organization I founded a few years ago. It's sort of a mutiny on this impossible (laughs) pursuit of perfection we were thrown into by virtue of being born women and into our misguided society. Because we've been bullied into thinking we must look a certain way to be beautiful, happy, and successful, right? Mm -hmm. And not only that, the characteristics that define this beauty change all the time. Mm-hmm. And there is no way we can possibly keep up with them all, let alone be able to manipulate our bodies into achieving them. And we know that how we feel about our bodies affects every other aspect of our lives, from the daily choices we make to the chances we're willing to take and how we reach out to others as well. And in working with several women, I found that many of us are living small, not going for our goals or making big choices due to the feelings of insecurity, lack, and worthlessness. And It's a travesty to me that so many of us are wasting our lives, worrying about how much we weigh, noticing all our little imperfections or figuring out what we can do to get rid of them when we could be out there living our lives. Mm -hmm. And as you were just talking about, there is no shortage of messages everywhere we look, bombarding us daily, telling us how we need to change, where we fall short, or what we need to buy and apply to be beautiful and perfect. (laughs) I mean, these messages literally permeate our lives through a never-ending stream of filtered social media posts, glossy magazine covers, commercials for Botox, liposuction, and facelifts, or radio ads for laser hair removal or body sculpting, and countless diet plans lining the bookstore shelves. Our minds are saturated with these images and words. Mm -hmm. Not only that, our society is also saturated with women and girls that have a negative body image. Studies show that four out of five U.S. women are dissatisfied with their appearance. 
and that 72% of girls and 68% of women avoid everyday activities because they feel awful about their looks. And of course, these numbers can't solely be blamed on the media, advertising, or the world of fashion and beauty. But let's be honest, they certainly don't help. Mm, right. And I don't know about you, but I got really tired of this and how it was affecting me and many women I cared about. So I decided to declare war and created this revolution against society's narrow definition of beauty and how it makes women feel. Woo. Not even sure where to start there. So many points to highlight. And I'll be honest, as I always am, (laughs) the statistics around negative body image shock me. Really, they just blew me away. Yeah, for sure. I guess I have felt so many of the ways you described above and didn't feel as though I was part of the majority. And I guess we'll go back to, I am not alone, Mm -hmm. right? So let's dig in. Uh, One of the things that you said that I really like is no perfect shape, no wrinkle-free face, no magic number on the scale guarantees us anything. Can you say more about this? Yeah. So we've been sold this idea that if we look a certain way and are a certain size, life will be so much better. Mm but this is a lie. I mean, we're still humans living in an imperfect world. We still have to go to work, take care of our family, deal with other challenges, even if we look perfect. Mm. Our bodies will still get injured or sick. And no matter how much Botox you inject or fat you suck out, or even miles you run, our bodies are aging and will eventually die. Hate to be dramatic about it, but we're all gonna (laughs) die one day. Too many of us are spending our precious time, energy, and money trying to achieve this perfect body that we're missing out on the beauty and the joy of being in the body we already have. Mm -hmm. And not only that, an interesting point is even those people we look at and think are perfect have their own struggles. Right. Supermodel Cameron Russell once said, if you ever wondered if you'd be happier if you had thinner thighs or shinier hair, you just need to be around a group of supermodels. They have the thinnest thighs and the shiniest hair and the coolest clothes. And they're the most physically insecure women on the planet. Mm. Mm. That kind of blew me away when I heard that. Mm -hmm. This isn't to say that we shouldn't want to improve ourselves or try to look our best. But if the focus of our lives and our energy is on that pursuit, we may be missing out on more important things. Mm. Yeah, that's such a great point. I I can recall hearing about some of the things that people speak about when they're dying, right? And the the various regrets they have. And I know that often people wish they had spent more time with family and friends. And I don't think they I've heard anybody regretting those 10 pounds that they struggled to lose. Uh, So as we mentioned in the introduction, you are a certified mind-body eating coach, and this certification comes from the Institute for the Psychology of Eating. So what does a mind-body eating coach do? Well, that's a lot of mouthful, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Institute for the Psychology of Eating. Uh, This type of coaching is a whole new kind of -of out-of-the-box approach. It's not just dieting, eating less, moving your body more. It's based on two concepts. And first is dynamic eating psychology, which focuses on the idea that each of us has a unique, fascinating, and ever-changing relationship with food and with our bodies. And our challenges with eating, weight, and health are not an indication that we're broken, but that we are human and we have an opportunity to grow and evolve this relationship 
just like any other relationship in our life. And the second concept is that of mind-body nutrition, which focuses on the connections between the brain, the body, and behavior. So simply put, what we eat is only half the story of good nutrition. The other half is who we are as eaters and what we bring to the table when we sit down to eat. It's interesting that so many areas of our lives can profoundly influence digestion, calorie burning, and the weight that we carry. Yeah, it makes total sense uh, that it isn't all about the food. Uh, If it were that easy, we would not spend time and money on all these diet programs out there, right? In addition to all of your credentials and your work life, we know that you're a mom of three who are almost grown, uh, 23, 21, and 18. Has doing this work changed how you parent? Are there things that you've learned along the way that you wish you had known or understood when your kids were younger? Absolutely. 100%. First and foremost, I've realized it's so important to be good examples in this area. And even though we sometimes think otherwise, our children do listen to and watch us. And they know if we're always on a diet, they know if we're unhappy with how we look, or if we're always making negative comments about our own or others' bodies. And in the research I've done, I found that many times an important adult, such as a coach, a teacher, a parent, or another relative is a major contributing factor in young people developing a negative body image. And my own struggle began at eight years old when my dad made an innocent comment about my body. So this is particularly significant to me. And I've always tried to speak to my kids about their bodies in positive, respectful ways and focus on their abilities and their strengths and the things that they allow us to do every day. I remember one day, my then teenage daughter came up to me. She was upset that her thighs were bigger than mine. Now I'm five foot nine, she's five foot two, and she's an amazingly powerful swimmer. I can barely keep myself from drowning. (laughs) And we talked about how much strength her legs have and how they help her glide effortlessly through the water and carry her around all day, every day of her life. We also laughed about the fact that she has a C cup and I don't even fill up an A. (laughs) (laughs) And none of these things has any impact on our value as women, as contributors to society or as good friends. And maybe a practical way to use this idea could be to have a family activity where together you create an inventory of all the things your bodies can do and then put it up somewhere where you can see it often. When we learn to focus on these abilities instead of the size or shape of our bodies, we can increase our confidence and our happiness to our, for ourselves and for our kids. I love that. Yeah. So this is certainly something on my mind a lot as uh, you raise three girls and knowing that many of us as parents struggle with our own body image, right? This, you know, the statistics, uh, what can we do to do better and not pass that along to our kids? Well, in addition to the things we just talked about, talking, 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 it's an important conversation to start at a young age and keep it going. And you might wonder, what do we talk about? Well, I have a few ideas and of course it's not an exhaustive list, but first off, talk about media, the deceptive tactics it uses and the unrealistic images that are put in front of us. Mm -hmm. And our kids need to know that these images they see in media and advertising are not real. They're created to sell products. And we're swayed by these pictures even as adults, but they are much more impactful on adolescent brains. And no one looks like these images, not even the models themselves. 
And if we refer back to Cameron Russell quote, mm. you know, even if they, even if they did look that way, they don't feel that way about themselves. And we can talk about normal body changes during adolescence and puberty, especially with girls. If you have daughters, these changes can bring on a 20 to 30% increase in body fat. Females naturally gain 30 to 40 pounds between the ages of eight and 14. Mm. And girls in that age range are going to freak out when they mm. start gaining fat and weight and hips and all the other things that are normal and natural. And fat is essential to our bodies for many reasons. You could do some research and talk about that sometime. That's a whole other fascinating thing Mm -hmm. to talk about. Mm -hmm. And along with this, don't talk about dieting or put yourself on a diet. Instead, just focus on eating and feeding your children whole healthy foods to feel better, have more energy and strength, and to support all the changes and growth their bodies are doing during this time. Another fun thing to talk about and to do is move our bodies. We need to learn to be our body's advocate and our friend, not its enemy. Engage in physical activity for fun, for challenge and growth, not for punishment because I ate too many cookies or something like that. When we can find activities that we enjoy doing and doing together as a family, or that you can support your children in doing, it makes it even better. We can focus on learning skills, mastering a game, or being able to run a certain distance or do a certain number of push-ups or something fun like that. And creating a habit of movement that will last a lifetime will help everyone. One of the best things you can instill in your children is how to be healthy and active Mm -hmm. lifelong. And another idea, lastly, talk about what true beauty entails. What enduring qualities and characteristics make someone beautiful to you? Who do you know that exhibits these qualities? And how can we try to grow into that kind of beauty ourselves? Mm. So those are just some of the things you can start the conversation about. That's great. Thank you. Thank you for sharing those. So as you know, self-care is one of our very favorite topics on our podcast. So tell us a little bit about how you might coach parents on being able to focus on self-care while they're also taking care of their kids. Yes. Self-care is very important. And when you have kids, it's even more important and more difficult sometimes. Mm -hmm. And I feel like we all know this intellectually, but because of our busy lives, many of us have a hard time actually making it happen. Mm -hmm. It's that old story we've all heard so many times of putting your oxygen mask on first. If you're in the airplane and they all, the oxygen masks drop down, loss of pressure, right? Mm -hmm. Yourself first. Or another analogy, we can't serve soup from an empty pot, Mm. right? We can't help others from any kind of place of depletion. Mm -hmm. So it's really important we take care of ourselves, but it's difficult. And sometimes it might require a bit of creativity, depending on your situation, your responsibilities, and what resources you have. And it is totally possible and imperative that you find a way to do it. And the first thing to do is to know what self-care actually looks like for you. Uh, personally, the typical suggestions of like bubble baths or shopping do not feel like self-care to me. Mm-hmm. That's torture. <laughs> I can't stand a hot bath for more than about five minutes, and I'd rather not ever have to go shopping. <laughs> so do a little brainstorming about what would feel enriching to you. This in itself can be a fun way to start feeling more in tune with yourself. And if it's been a while since you've thought about this, don't be frustrated if you can't think of anything. Start by asking yourself what you did as a child for fun or what you would do with a day to yourself. You might not even be able to imagine that. (laughs) (laughs) I don't even know what I would do. (laughs) 
Um, ask a friend what they hear you talking about repeatedly. And I don't mean here the copious amounts of laundry <laughs> or all the places you have to show for your kids, <laughs> but those things that maybe you talk about that you want to do or things that interest you. And then here's where the creativity comes in. Choose something on your list that stands out most to you and find a way to do it, or at least something like it soon. This may require swapping out childcare with a friend, saving up some money, or finding a YouTube tutorial or something like that. But make it a point to spend some time with yourself on a regular basis, doing something that feels uplifting and replenishing to you. And this doesn't need to require a lot of time if you can't clear out a whole afternoon or even an hour sometimes. Just stopping for five minutes, doing some deep breathing, thinking about the blessings you've seen in the world today, or jamming out to your favorite song can work wonders. And some days that may be all the time that you have. So just do what works for you. So Stephanie, that is excellent advice for others. And we are wondering how you personally approach self-care. I mean, just like most women, this is an ongoing process for me that I am constantly trying to fine tune because my life is crazy like everybody else's. Mm -hmm. But a couple of years ago, I really fell in love with the concept of nourishment. And usually we think of food when we think of this word, but it encompasses so much more than that. The definition of the word itself means things like to foster, promote, encourage the growth of. And such rich images come to my mind when I hear those words. So I created a framework for remembering all the ways we need nourishment. Basically, we all need more pies because who doesn't <laughs> love pie, right? Mm -hmm. I don't love to make it, but I love to eat it. <laughs> <laughs> so the ways we need nourishment are pies. And these are physical, intellectual, emotional, social, and spiritual. We have two S's and that's just fine because I made up the word. and <laughs> I try to make sure I'm nourishing myself in each of these areas regularly. And that doesn't mean I do them all every day or even every week, but I make it a point to review often how I'm doing and which areas might be neglected and maybe some ways I can incorporate them better into my life. Of course, keeping in mind everything else I need to do in my work and with my family and other responsibilities, it's a daily practice. It's an exploration of continuing to get to know myself. And one of the biggest needs we humans have is to feel seen, heard, and understood. And when we can give that to ourselves first, our capacity to share it with others increases substantially. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. Thank you for sharing that and acknowledging the process, right? That we are all trying to figure this out and doing our best. Um, yeah, it's a daily practice and something that we continue to work at. So there is a concept that comes from the Institute for the Psychology of Eating that you had shared with us in a previous conversation. Um, and we'd love for you to share this with our listeners. So the concept is the idea of becoming a queen. Tell us what that's about. This is one of my favorite things to talk about. And when I first heard about it through the Institute for the Psychology of Eating, it changed my whole view of myself and my world. And the idea is based on the royal archetypes of the princess and the queen in regards to the stages that women go through in their lives. So when we're younger as women, we are princesses. We're in the princess stage. And this, this isn't meant to be the derogatory term as it's sometimes used in our society, right? Like, oh, what a princess mm -hmm. she thinks she is, mm -hmm. right? It's, it's more like when we're young, we're princesses and we're more focused on what we look like and who we're becoming, how the world sees us and where we fit in. 
And that's just a normal natural process. And as we mature and grow and become older, kind of between the ages of 40 and 50, we become queens in training. We begin to focus more on who we are and have become through all of our experiences and our education, whether that was formal or not, just the school of life, right? Mm -hmm. We don't have anything to prove to anyone. We become the owner and the guardian of our queendom. We get to decide who we let in, what happens there, and how things are run. And queens are beautiful because of who they are, how they give to others and themselves, and the wisdom they have gained throughout the years. And as they ascend their throne, they get to be in charge of their queendom and what it looks like and how it is. And I love that. And a queen is not going to waste her time wondering if she'd be more loved if she was smaller. Her waist Mm -hmm. was littler if she weighed less. She doesn't care. She's about running her queendom, giving back to the world all of the wisdom that she's gained in her life. Hmm. I love, I love this whole concept and I must repeat a few of those lines. May I, may I do that? Oh, yeah. We don't have anything to prove to anyone and are the owners of our queendom and queens are beautiful because of who they are, how they give to others and themselves and the wisdom they have gained through the years. A queen is not going to waste time wondering if she'd be more loved at a smaller size. Love it. <laughs> well, me too. That's why I repeated it and took that moment to have it sink in. For anyone out there who's interested in connecting with you, Stephanie, and learning more about what you offer, what's the best way to connect with you? My website is jointhebeautyrevolution.com. And you can sign up there for a free connection call to learn more about my coaching and workshops. And I also offer a free assessment to find out your body image quotient or the BIQ tells you where you are on your journey to discovering and embracing your authentic beauty. And you can access that on my website as well. That's awesome. Thank you. So we have one more question for you today. Knowing that so many women struggle with their body image and their self-esteem, what would you like to say to them? What, what would you, what do you want them to hear? For me, I think the most important messages to begin to tell yourself are that you are not broken and you don't need fixing. Mm. There is no perfect body and there is beauty in everybody. And when you're able to discover yours, life itself becomes more beautiful. And there's a quote by Dr. Steve Maraboli that I really like. He says, there's nothing more rare nor more beautiful than a woman being unapologetically herself, comfortable in her perfect imperfection. To me, that is the true essence of beauty. Hmm. Stephanie, my life has changed. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you so much for joining us today and for the work you're doing to put just so much more positivity out there into the world. It is certainly needed. And this queen sure appreciates it. Thank you. I've so enjoyed our conversation today. And every time I speak those words, they resonate more deeply with me too. So podcast friends, we are as always grateful for all of you listening and supporting us. You can help us out by visiting Apple Podcasts, leave us a review, please subscribe and share with others. You will find more content on our website, no need to explain podcast.com. You'll also find our email address and we would love to hear from you by email. And this is your gentle reminder to take good care of yourself while you're also taking care of your people. Thanks for listening. Bye.